Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. I want to continue in the thought that I began last week. Ephesians chapter 4 is where I'll launch from. Then I'm going to ask you to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I, I just believe with all my heart what I'm going to say for the next few minutes today is going to help somebody. And I say this to the glory of God because it helped me when God began to help me understand some things this week. And it's some questions that I've been having of the Lord. And, um, you know, sometimes questions position you in a place where you get hungry to know the answer. And the closer you get to God and search out the matter, he begins to give you a spirit of revelation. And some people stop with the question, but the question was never intended to be a dead end. The question is an invitation to go deeper because on the other side of the theological tension you're wrestling with is a revelation for you and most of the people that are close to you need the word God's going to give you on the other side of that question. So whenever you have a question, you don't stop, you press in. And God said, I, I wanted to see if you'd get close enough to me to hear my heart on this matter. And what I'm going to teach today is, uh, is, is I believe it's, real, it's very simple. It's, I, I almost should apologize after 20 years of not having said it before. But the Spirit of the Lord knows how to give you wisdom and, wisdom and revelation in the right time. And uh, this message on the Metron is something God gave us five, six years ago, I suppose. Um, well, Mari could tell me it's probably longer than that. Uh, but, um, but, but it changed and revolutionized our church because it activated us. There were people who were in consumer Christianity mode who were sitting there waiting on ministry to happen. And ministry is not something you receive. Ministry is something believers pour out. Y'all acting so Presbyterian today. I said believers ought to pour out ministry, not just receive ministry. Say amen, somebody. And I want to talk about that for a few moments. This is going to be, uh, I don't need a whole lot of time today, but I do believe God is going to maxi maximize the moments that we have together. Let me echo what Pastor Richie said just a moment ago, if I may. Next Sunday, we're going to have some cards ready for you to give out, to give away for Easter. I'm going to ask you to be activated in, uh, uh, and mobilized in a move of invitation. Um, you know, there's that scripture over in the Gospels where Nathaniel uh, uh, is, is trying to find out who this is about Jesus. And he has a brother and he goes to him and he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he looks at him and says, come and see. Sometimes you just got to invite people to come and see Jesus. And they don't know what they're missing. But when they meet the man, Jesus, life changes and turns around. Wish I could find some witnesses in here today. And so you say, Pastor, I don't do the work of an evangelist. Let me see these. We already have these. So are these ready yet? Gave them out today. So what you want to do is you want to use these as just a conversation starter and an invitation. And I need you to take some. And don't leave them in your car, but take them to the, to the if you're going to eat like I am today, take them to the Mexican restaurant. Have some queso and, and, and salsa verde and shout while you're taking it in. And then witness to people and invite them to Resurrection Sunday. Because the word the Lord gave me for Resurrection Sunday, some people are getting ready to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
I'm going to preach today till some of you who don't want to talk, talk to me because God is up to something in this generation and in this hour. And I tell you, when the devil's busy, God's already up to something better. And I don't know about you, but we're going to see some people jerked out of the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. If you believe it, shout yes. And so I need you to be mobilized and, and, and activated in this uh, operation of invitation. Get people to church on, on Resurrection Sunday. I am not looking for the largest crowd, but when the largest people, group of people get here, then I believe we're going to have more people saved than ever been saved. And how many know it's not just about how many people came? How many know it's about how many people came to Jesus? So I'm going to teach, having said all that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to do this again. I'm going to start reading. When I jump out, you stay with it and keep reading. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, pardon me, verse 1. Let's read together. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye. Beautiful. Keep going, guys. And meekness with long-suffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and in you all. Here it is. So beautiful, so beautiful. How many love the word of the Lord? First Peter chapter four, flip there with me please. Verse number 10 is all I need. I want us to read this together. As every man and woman, hold on, hold on, King James people. As every man and woman has even so, Somebody help me thank God for the word today. Come on, we praise the Lord for the word. And I want to talk about this whole issue of the metron that God has given you. And I want to go a little deeper than I did last week. Father, help us, grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation as I teach. Let it be on me as they hear. Let it be on them. I pray heaven would invade earth, that heaven would just descend and a kingdom realm would be released and manifested among us today. I don't want anything to do with religion, but I say let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name and the people who love him said amen. And if you love each other, say amen. Last week, I began to teach about the Metron, and I talked more last week about positioning yourself to understand the Metron that God has given you. And you and I had the discussion, and I preached and taught about the living in a place of transformation and not being conformed to this world, but being renewed in your mind so that you can have an understanding of what it is God's calling you to. Proving, he says, prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And moving on from that thought today, I don't want to talk so much about the process uh, uh, by which we are positioned to understand our Metron, but I want to start talking about the purpose of the Metron, the purpose of the measure that God has given to each of you. Every saved person in this room has been given 
a measure. I told you last week that it was the measure of faith that you came into, but he also said God gave you a measure of grace. Say measure. The Bible said in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God gave every man a measure of faith. And then God, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, I just read it to you, he gave every person saved a measure of grace. And the measure is the metron. How many remember the butter last week? It wasn't margarine, it was butter. We use butter, amen? And, and when I cut that part of the butter, uh, the stick of butter off and I slid it aside, uh, that represented and showed us that no one in the room gets the whole stick of butter. Everyone in the room has received a measure. There is only one who did not receive a measure. His name was Jesus. And the Bible said in the book of John, the third chapter, that God gave him, the son, Jesus, watch, the spirit without measure. Which means there was no limitation or lid in Jesus. He had all of it wrapped up in one. But you and I will never find one person in the church who has all of it wrapped up in one person. You and I have a measure, which is why it is important that we learn how to come together and live in unity. Because if I live by myself, I'm only exposed to the measure I have. And if you live by yourself, you are only living exposed to the measure you have. But it's when we come together as a family in the household of faith and all share our measure with each other that we begin to experience the fullness of the person of Jesus among us. And so that's why you need a church. Now I'm not here today to preach to you that you have to come to our church, but you need to come to church. You need to be a part of a church, not just a consumer who receives from church, but an investor who understands that as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you were given a measure of grace that you are encouraged and you are required to contribute to the body to which you belong. And I felt that God helped me to begin to understand some things this week. How many have ever had the privilege to go to another foreign country? Lift your hand if you've ever been to another country. I remember when Christopher and I, I went to preach in the Virgin Islands and I preached on the island of St. Thomas. Any Virgin Island people in the room? Come on, make some noise over there, sisters. I knew you were here. I just wanted to make sure you knew you were here. Hallelujah. And, and yeah, we, we got some Virgin Island folk in the house. We got some island people in the house. And when we, when we get to hear them sing, come on, we all move like people from the island. You know what I'm talking about? When I got off the plane and, and landed in the Virgin Islands, I got off a plane that came out of America. And I, I landed on, a, on an island. And when I got off, they started handing me flowers. I, I looked at Chris. I said, I don't want to buy no flowers. And the woman said, oh no, these are not for sale, these are a gift. When I, when, when I was given the opportunity to go to Hawaii, some, the, uh, we were sent to, on, uh, to a trip uh, to Hawaii, and when we got off the plane in Hawaii, these sweet ladies from the Hawaiian airport came up and put a lay around my neck. And uh, I, I said, praise God, I don't even know what I did to deserve this, but I feel like I'm on vacation already, right? They put a lay around my neck and it made me want to get a hula hoop. 
and, and it, wanted, it made me want to do my thing, right? And, and, I said, and, and I said, what is this? They said, no, this is not anything uh, uh, special. This is what we do for everybody who comes into our state. We give them a lay when they land in the airport. And, and, and here's the thing. When you got saved and you stepped out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, and came into the kingdom of the sun, the Bible said that God gave you a gift in your spiritual journey. You got activated in a spiritual gift that has power because it came from the Holy Spirit and it is connected to a divine purpose. Now, I want to teach here because this is what God began to help me see that I don't know that I've ever seen before, but it came from a place uh, where I was, actually, I was praying for you. I was praying for the church family. I was praying for the body of Christ. I was praying for our people. And I was asking God for wisdom on this matter because it seems to me as your pastor that I deal a lot with people in our church family at all locations who walk through seasons of confusion trying to find out what it is they are sent to this earth for and what is their spiritual gift and how do they use it? How many think that's a fair assessment, right? Okay, and the Lord began to help me see something and I'm just gonna lay it out there. I'm not gonna try to build up and hype up to it. I'm gonna give it to you like God gave it to me. There is a difference between a talent and a gift. Let me teach for a minute right here. Everybody in this room, whether you are saved or not, have innate ability. Talent, say talent. Matthew 25 verse 15, you can crack it and look at it if you want to, but let me tell you what it says. It says that the owner of the vineyard gave some five talents, some two talents, and to some he gave one. All according to their ability. That's Matthew 25 verse 15. He gave some five, some two, some one. All according to their ability. Talents are according to your ability. How do you get talents? Some of you have talents by genetic disposition. If, if for instance, if, if you understand anything about sports, you know that many athletes produce athletes. I was looking last week and I saw LeBron James' son who is a tremendous basketball player and a tremendous athlete. He's a tremendous basketball player and a tremendous athlete because of the genetic disposition given him through his father, LeBron James, who is second best to Michael Jordan. Okay, we'll keep going. Okay, y'all, I slid that one in on you. I'm just kidding. Don't, get in the, don't, don't fight over it, okay? Let's, let's stay in unity, church. But it's true. Okay, so we're going to keep going. So, so genetic disposition was responsible for his son becoming a great athlete. He was a son because he got that from his daddy. You can get a talent through genetic disposition. You can also develop a talent and enhance a talent by education. You can go through training, you can go to school, you can go to, you can go to class, you can, you can equip yourself and advance yourself by developing and enhancing your talent and you can actually get better at it and you should. Because even if you're saved and we're talking about your talent, even your talent should be used for the glory of God. 
If you're going to be a businessman, don't be a decent businessman. Be a good businessman. Come on. If you're going to own stuff, don't just be a decent owner. Be the best one in your home. It, come on, somebody. You, you got to earn. You got to earn and you got to develop and you got to become and you got to use everything God gave you innately and inherently and however else you got it. Every talent is for the glory of God. If you can sing, sing for the glory of God. If you're a sports athlete and you're making D1 and you're going to be a D1 athlete or a pro athlete, do everything you do for the glory. I know the devil can't handle it when these sports athletes start getting on TV. And, and we've, thank God, we have moved beyond the general. I want to give God the praise. People are talking about Jesus now. I said people are talking about Jesus now there is no safe place for the devil to do what he does every mountain of society is being invaded by grace and people who've been brought out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus are testifying of the work of God and they're not just talking about some superficial ethereal God being they are talking about a man who was born of a virgin and came and died and rose from the dead and because he lives I shall live also Touch your neighbor, tell them, use your talent for the glory of God. Let me tell you this, you shouldn't just sit on your talent, you should multiply your talent. You should take five and make it 10. You should make two and make it four. You should take one and make it two. Whatever you got, do not panic over the, 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 the more ability that other people have and the less that you got. Just be faithful with what you got. Because everybody in this room Sinner and saint alike have talent. But there is a difference between talent and gifts. I can work harder and become better at my talent. But a gift don't work like that. When you get off the plane that you were flying in called the world and step into a kingdom you've never been before called the kingdom of God, God will put a gift around your neck. And you say, wait a minute, I, don't, I didn't earn this. That's why it's called a gift. Because you couldn't do anything to earn it. You couldn't do anything to deserve it. You only got it when you stepped out of one kingdom, I feel like teaching here today, and you stepped into the kingdom of God. Why do I say this? Because we have people in the church who think their spiritual gift is an announcement about their career. And it could be. But gifts in the Greek is the Greek word charismata where we get the word grace from. Grace is the Greek word charis, right? And gifts are charismata, which means the gift God gave you is locked up, I should say unlocked, when you step into grace. You don't know your spiritual gift until you get saved. You say, Pastor Kevin, oh, I have a great voice. I'm thankful you have a great voice. That is not your spiritual gift. That's your talent. 
because some people can sing and move a crowd but that's not the gift of the spirit the gift of the spirit is something you step into when you come out of darkness into his marvelous light and it only gets activated when you're living in the right kingdom Which is why we are confused sometimes when people come to church and we hear people with gifts start singing and the chill bumps rise because we think that's the gift of the spirit. No, the spirit is not needed if you got a talent necessarily. But when you're talking about the gift of the spirit, it is something that only works as you walk in the spirit and depend on the spirit for the gift to function. How many ever met a, met a talented person and they were so talented that they didn't even have to depend on God? Now there's a million things I'm not gifted at doing. And those who surround my life and the team, the leadership team know my strengths and my weaknesses and I don't hide them. They will all tell you I talk about my weaknesses quite frequently. But I know my strengths. I know God gave me an ability to speak. I could actually, God, I feel this in my bones. I could actually use the gift, and, pardon me, the talent that I have to communicate. I could use it in the secular world and make a whole lot of money and do something else totally differently and never have to have a prayer meeting and depend on God. But because I'm doing spiritual things today with the talent God gave me, I can't just stand up here. I wish y'all could feel what I'm feeling on the inside. I can't just stand up here and activate my talent today. I'm trying to operate in my gift and the gift is greater than the talent because the gift demands that I seek the one who gave me the gift and if he don't help me, no matter how good I can talk, I can't bring revelation because, oh Lord, I feel like preaching here. It is not not just talent that we need to be exposed to in the church. We need people who understand that what they got from God was a gift. And if you don't help me, I can't help these people. They don't need my speech. They need a demonstration of the power. Oh God, I better quit because I feel some good is about to happen in this chat. It's not what you're talented with. Use your talent for the glory of God. But a gift is not what you earned, learned, or deserved. A gift is what God put on you when he saved you. And when you step into the kingdom of God, now listen to me very carefully. I say this to you today because I want you to understand that there are people who come to church who are very successful out in the world. And I want you to be successful out in the world. But I want you to understand that sometimes the frustration you're living in is that you don't think there's a place in the church for you to activate in the thing you are strong in doing in the world. And sometimes you are gifted to do things in the world because of talent that don't always translate into the body. Here's my point. You may be talented in a career, but your charismata, your gift, is not your career. 
You may be an astute banker, businessman, lawyer, doctor, CEO, CFO, teacher, uh, police officer, entrepreneur. You may be all those things and successful out in the world. Give God the glory and do it for his glory. But don't get frustrated when you come to church and you say, I don't feel like, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like my gift has any room or any place in this church or any church you go to. Let me tell you something. Everything in your career doesn't translate into your kingdom. Why? Because God would never just build his kingdom on people who have great careers but don't need the Holy Spirit to be activated in their life to do what he gifted them to do. A gift is something given to you by God. And we always think this. We always think, here we go, here we go. We always think that the gifts are the people who stand on the stage with a microphone. If you ain't an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, you are, not a, you are not a gifted person and nothing could be further from the truth. We have put a, a priority and a preeminence on the pulpit. But Ephesians chapter four teaches us something very profound. It says that the people who are called into the ministry, namely apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they have been given gifts by Christ, not so that they create their own following, not so that they build their own kingdom, but the Bible said they've been given a grace so that they can equip the body, so that the body discovers their gifts and the church is able to know that each person brings something to the table with which we advance the kingdom. Let me teach you. Open your Bible up. Chad, I'm going to ask for what I asked for over in Cleveland. I surprised you over in Cleveland, and uh, this is less of a surprise. You probably have it. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse number 11. In the NIV, the nearly inspired version. I'm a, while he gets that, Ephesians, somebody holler at me when he gets it. Oh, there we go. Okay? Now watch this. Christ himself how many know that when you start talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, mama don't call those? I got three amens and some sighs. I said, when you start talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, mama don't call those. Daddy don't call those. Those are called by Jesus himself. And I don't know about you, but I'm sort of tired and sick of watching people call themselves into something that only Jesus can call a man or a woman into. If, listen, if you can do anything else in your life and please God other than being full-time ministry, you need to do that. Don't go be coveting stuff that you don't understand the pain involved with it. Because there are days if you are not called, there are days that will test your faith, test your mind, test your ability. And if you are called, you will have to humble yourself up under the mighty hand of God and pray for the Holy Spirit to sustain you. And if he didn't call you, then the grace will not be supplied. That is absolutely undeniably necessary for you to function in that thing that you are trying to carry. Ministry is something that God decides. I would encourage you not to decide it on your own. So Christ gave himself, Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Next verse, please. So to equip his people for works of what? Service. My grace and my anointing are not so I create a following. 
as an apostolic uh, leader and a pastoral leader, I am gifted and graced only and called only by God so that I can equip you, every pastor on this staff, every teacher in our school, every person that's involved in developing uh, the body of Christ and bringing people into their purpose and helping them understand the gift and helping them operate it and putting them in the right place. The anointing and the grace of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to equip the body for works of service. Hear me, family, whatever gift you got the day you got saved, I'm not talking about your talent, whatever gift you got the day you came into the kingdom, that gift was given for works of service. I didn't get no help on that one right there, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Because God is not interested in raising up people who come to church and say, feed me. You are 45 years old and you know where your Bible is. Go feed yourself. I got like 22, how many kids I got? Six kids. <laughs> Asher is one. At three o'clock in the morning, he wakes up sometimes. Ah, ah. And you know, Devin, she's acting like she don't hear him and I'm acting like I don't hear him. <laughs> and whoever fixes the bottles is the first one who starts dealing with reality. And most time, 99.999% of the time, it is my wife because she's a great mama. Every now and then I get up, every now and then she looks at me and said, I, I did the last time. I'm gonna need you to get him a bottle. So I, uh, this bitterness gets on me and I'm walking in the kitchen and I'm offended with a one-year-old son. And I'm like, Lord, I'm praying you help this child come out of the dark end of the light. I'm praying that this, I feel this thing on me, God, forgive me for how I feel. Uh -huh. Yeah, get up yourself and fix your own bottle. That's what I wanna say, but I don't say that because I'm a good father. So I go in there and I put this eight, four scoops in, shake up the eight ounces of water. I take it in there. By the time I get there, I'm thankful and I'm grateful I got him. And I give him the bottle and I'm saying, I need you to be quiet drink this and go back to sleep and he does and everything's wonderful and he's one and it's supposed to be like that but I also have a 21 year old son who just got married if he comes in my bedroom at 1 o'clock in the morning and he said feed me it'll be tongues but it won't be them kind of tongues it'll be, I got something to say but it ain't a word from the Lord it's a word from Kev and it ain't gonna be pleasant nice or full of come on y'all know what I'm talking about why because at 21 carry yourself into the cupboard you know where the Cheetos are the Fritos are the Moon Pies are you know where the milk is don't be waking me up in the middle of the night talking about daddy feed me you are 21 years old feed yourself and there are too many people running around from church to church ministry to ministry in the kingdom of God and they say I'm gonna go there for three months and after three months uh, I'm not getting fed that's embarrassing stop admitting that when you are a child act like a child but when you become a man put away childish things run in there and get your Bible you want to feed yourself open up the Bible to Matthew Mark Luke and John Acts Romans first and second Corinthians you got too much food to eat to talk about I'm hungry This is why churches shut down during COVID because everybody was not feeding themselves. And when you don't have a man standing up on the pulpit or a woman telling you how to be fed, people start starving to death and find out they don't need church. I'm gonna tell you right now, I never lost my joy. I never lost my peace because my peace is not connected to a... We got some, we have people addicted they're addicted to consumer Christianity. 
coming to church is about feed me, bless me, touch me. Okay, that's wonderful. But at some point, you, we, we have to mature. On cue, that was perfect. Maybe like, feed me, feed me. I love it. At some point, we have to mature. Let me keep reading here. Next verse, 13. To equip for service. No, go back. Let me catch that last part. I didn't catch that last part. So that the body... Let me come down here. So that the body is built up. Let me help you understand something about spiritual gifts. They are not for the world. I'm getting ready to say something right here. Your ability and willingness to operate and be activated in your spiritual gift is not about you and the world. It's about you and the church you go to. Equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the what? Body may be built up. If the church is weak, the, a weak church can't win a lost world. The reason we need everybody in this room in their seat doing their thing, activated in their gift is because we all need to be a part of a strong body. If the body's strong, then we will win the loss. But if we're not activated in our spiritual gifts, then you have a weak church that doesn't have the stamina to win the lost world. How many have ever been to a church with a great preacher? You've ever seen a ministry with a great preacher but a small church? Why can you have great preaching in a small church? Because great preaching alone doesn't mean that people in the seats are activated in their gift. In fact, I found out some, that some great preachers don't want gifted people. Some great preachers don't want gifted people because the great preacher wants to be the center of attention rather than Jesus. Y'all not gonna say nothing, but I'm gonna preach on Sunday anyway. My grace gift is not just to preach. My grace gift is not just to communicate. My grace gift is to make sure that I got the right people in the right seat helping the people be activated in the gift that God gave them so that this whole house can be built up, not tore down. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach right here. A tore down church can't win the world. A broke, busted, and disgusted church can't win the world. And oh, we got a great preacher. I'm glad you got a great preacher, but you better have more than a great preacher. You better have somebody with an ability to draw a blueprint and an apostolic mentality so that people get in the right seat and everything is done in excellence so that when the world comes in, they say, Lord, have mercy. This feels good. How many have been to a church and you're like, where is the back door? <laughs> Trying to find a way to get out, acting like you got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Hear me, you gotta be in a, listen, we gotta be a place that's not just great preaching, great worship, great singing, great whatever. We gotta have, we gotta have blueprints so that people get activated sitting in their seat and activated in the spiritual gift God gave them. Okay, let me keep going here. Verse 13 now, I'm sorry. So the church is to be built up till, how, how long do we do this? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. 
This is, uh, you know, we got people all in the church. Uh, when you go teach on prophecy, the blood moon, the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. Let me help you understand. So I teach on that, but so let, me, let me say this to you. Before we go up, we're going to have to grow up. <laughs> I'm telling you what the Bible says. He is not coming back after an immature, broke down bride that don't look like the one that they're going to meet. He's not coming back after a, back, a bunch of carnal Christians who got attitude problems and are hateful and are full of carnality. You think that's who Jesus is going to marry? A church that would rather be in the backseat with the world rather than coming out from among the world and being a separate people? Oh, you better hear me preach to you today. He is coming back after a church that has matured. And in order for us to mature, we got to tell the truth in love. And we all got to be activated in our gift doing what Christ has called us to do. And we do this work of the ministry until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Watch and become mature. This is an amazingly important statement and phrase. Listen, till we attain the whole measure. The whole what? The whole metron. Pastor Nathan, come up here with me, hurry. Andy, come up here with me real quick. D, come up here with me real quick, sweetheart. Uh, just give me some people. Samuel, come up here. Give me, come up here. Erica, come up here. Somebody, just, come, just come, y'all come up here with me on the stage. Hurry, get up here on the stage with me. Bobby, come up here, Bobby. You lucky you're ready to get on stage with me today. Come on, hurry. Just get up on the stage. Get up on the stage. Yeah, come on, Torrance. Come on. Just come. Listen to me. Listen. We do the work of the ministry, and we work together until we all come into the unity and the faith. Why do you always preach about things we know? Because people are still coming into unity with it. And until we all come into unity and get on the same page, we're not going where we want to go. Keep teaching. Why? We got to all come to a knowledge of the Son of God. Why you keep preaching on Jesus all the time? Because we all need to come into unity regarding the knowledge of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we live according to his plan for our life. But watch this. We keep doing the work of the ministry until we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, if I could, I'd bring every Christian up on the stage, but since you all won't fit, I brought a sample from the body and I put us all on the stage, why? Because each of us contain a metron. Everybody on this stage got a metron. You got a slice, 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 and you got a slice. Every person on this stage has a different slice of grace. All of you have a gift. I could walk down the aisle and tell everybody in this room the gift that is on your life that I see happening in different ways. Teachers and preachers and those with the gift of hospitality and those with the gift of service and those with the gift of leadership and those with the gift of photography. All kind of gifts. Each of you get a slice of the measure of Jesus. Nobody has all of him. Everybody got a slice. But we do the work of the ministry until we, oh, I feel this in my bones, until we are also unified. Come on, lock arms with me, lock arms with each other. We do the work of the ministry until we are all so unified that it's not the one metron in me or the one metron in D or the one metron in Nathan that they see, but they see all of the metrons individually that eventually come together in such a unity that when they see us, they don't just see us, they see Christ. They see Jesus. They see the body of 
Christ. Not one of us have all of it, but everybody got some of it. And when we're willing to become one together, all of the parts join together to make the whole. And Paul said, that's what we're working for till we all come together in the whole. Come on, tell them thank you. So what does that mean before I close? What does it mean for me personally that I have a metro? What does it mean personally that I have a metro? It means I have to put my life and my gift in the equation. But I thought there was only five gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That's because the people who've been teaching the Bible want you to think that the only gifts were them. I came to tell you, every one of you have a gift. And when you stepped off the plane of the world and stepped into the kingdom of God, angels met you at the terminal and said, let me put this gift on your life. I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher but you may have the gift of mercy. Can I teach here? The book of Romans talks about the gifts just as much as the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 does. We, are, we have gifts. Some people have the gift of mercy. If you got the gift of judgment, you ain't getting on our altar team. Can you imagine a drug addict coming to the altar? Oh, my life is falling apart, help. And a man with a gift of judgment, you're going to hell. You're going to bust hell wide open. You should have repented a long time ago. You done used up all your days of grace. Go back to your seat. Go back home. You're going to hell. That's how some people treat you. But if you got the gift of mercy, you come to the altar, you're on the altar team. Because when them people come to the church, to the altar looking for Jesus and they, the devil's telling them it's too late, a man or a woman with the gift of mercy will lay hands on your head, oil you up like a piece of Kentucky fried chicken, and say, baby, I don't know what you did and how long you've been doing it, but where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Slap your neighbor, tell them, use your gift. Use your gift. Well, I can't preach. I don't need you to preach. We got preachers. I need some people that get activated in the gift of mercy. Some people that get activated in the gift of grace. Some people that help people who feel like they're going to hell recognize. You can do it if you want to, but you have to walk by the cross because the cross and the empty tomb say you still have a future. Somebody praise God for mercy. Yeah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gift of mercy. Gift of leadership. It's in the Bible. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All through the Bible, gifts, the gifts that God gives are given. Some people are gifted with the gift of leadership. We put those people over projects. Who wants to follow somebody who can't lead? What do we do? Uh, I don't know. Y'all ready for this? They're up here hollering at me. They know what I'm going to say. Gift of administration. You know what I found out about prophets? They don't like people with gifts of administration. I'm a prophet. What does that mean? I see things. 
administrators are like, I do things. Unless you think I'm just poking and being fun. Paul knew this would happen in the body of Christ, which is why he said, how can the hand tell the foot we don't need you? Have you ever thought about the nose of the body and the armpit of the body of Christ having to work together? How does that work out? The nose, I don't want to be around the armpit, the armpit. We need each other. You have a spiritual gift. You can administrate. You can, there's the gift of hospitality. Daughter, you have that gift. You cook for the kids. We got people all in the church. I see, I see uh, people all over this house right now who are, who are used in, in areas in our church out in the, out in the parking lot. James out there hopping around. Yeah, Jesus. What you don't know about him is he didn't have that gift before he got saved. Now he's out there dancing around in the parking lot. Some of y'all come to church to see his smile every Sunday. What's the point? The point is, stop thinking the only gifts in this church are the ones on this pulpit. Where are the people who are gifted to work with kids? We call that hospitality. We would call that the gift of mercy. <laughs> have mercy on me, right? Now listen, some people in here, you don't have the gift to work with kids. And we know when you don't. <laughs> and we're not going to let you work with our kids. If you look like you don't want to work with kids and shouldn't work with kids, you don't get to work with kids. <laughs> Come out with a big belt buckle, burly, nine foot tall, still drive a motorcycle to church in the winter. Come up to the help desk, I want to work with kids. We're probably going to do something else with you. There is a place for you to serve, but it ain't in the children's department. Right? Amen. Gift, listen, gift of hospitality. Some of you have an infectious, contagious smile. Kindness. Work with people. Help people. You have an ability to assist people. You have a gift. Use it. You have the gift of mercy, gift of administration. Some of you have the gift of healing. When we have altar calls for people that are sick to get healed, we need people who are gifted with the gift of healing to be activated. God wants to work through your life. But you've got to give him a place. We've got to give you an opportunity and you've got to accept the invitation. Close it. It's all right. I'm closing. <laughs> he got the gift of comedy on us today. Come on. He's blessing me. He's blessing me. Listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. Whatever you've been gifted to do when you stepped into the kingdom of God, it's time to dust that thing off and begin to use it for, listen to me, not for the world, for the house. I am not saying that because I am trying to endear myself to people's gift, but you didn't get a gift from God to sit on it. You got it to build this house up. That's what the Bible teaches. 
Consumer Christianity has to come to an end. I told Cleveland that Cleveland, Cleveland is working toward the, by the fall, we're going to have to be in two services. The building there don't contain the people happening. I'm just giving God glory. I know there's some people say, I don't like two services. I didn't say I liked it, but when the harvest is coming in, what you going to do, curse your harvest? Oh, Lord, how are we going to do this? Keep growing. How our church going to keep growing? We need more. Every single Sunday, we have people who come and bring kids, and our kids department is overflowing. We're coming up with a strategy right now till we get the kids portion of the new generation building done. We're coming up with a strategy on how to increase and expand our, our place for children. Is that a problem? No, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. Well, we don't have the people. Oh, we got the people. We just need the gifts to wake up. We need the gifts to wake up. We, we need people to be engaged and activated. That's why I talked about small groups last Sunday. Some of this is found in fellowship and community. And I need people in this room to understand that where God is taking us is not a place where one person is going to get it all and get it done. It's going to take everybody. Prayer. Intercession. Well, I'm not gifted to intercede. Everybody's gifted to pray. Prayer is not relegated to four sweet old retired women who meet on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock and go to lunch at Shoney's afterwards. That is not the intercession we're talking about. I'm thankful for those sweet sisters and we had to have them in the beginning, but where we're going, we need 1,500 people activated in the gift of intercession. And here's my point today. Some of you have an amazing talent. Use it for the glory of God. Are you ready for this? Here's another gift we don't talk about in the church. The gift of generosity. It's in the Bible. There are people God sends to churches with the gift of generosity. How are you going to be generous if you don't got nothing to give? Oh, see, I see people right now. I feel people in here. I don't know about that gift. Then you ain't got it. Let me help you understand something. Stingy people don't have the gift of generosity. The people with the gift of generosity wake up in the morning, they're like, man, I'm so blessed. I can't wait to bless somebody and bless the kingdom today. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm closing, but let me freak you out. I pray for you every single week. I pray for people every single week. I pray for this church family. Every single day of my life, I pray for you. And some of the times I find myself praying for God to raise up billionaires and millionaires. Well, I don't know about that. You, then I ain't praying for you. I pray for you for other things, but I'm praying for God to raise up some crazy, successful business people. Why? So that they do not have a lid on their gift of generosity. Because if you got the gift of generosity on you, the only thing hindering you from being more generous is not having more resources. If you have the gift of generosity, you can actually activate that gift with a little bit of money in your pocket. It may not even be money. 
Because generosity is not just what you do with Abraham and, and Abe and uh, Abraham Lincoln, pardon me, and Abe Lincoln and, and Benjamin Franklin's and George Washington. That ain't just what you, y'all like Abraham. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. And that ain't just what you do with dollars. Generous people are not just generous with their money. They're generous with everything they got. Generous in mercy, generous in grace, generous in... I'm a giver. Time, talent, treasure, testimony. Generous. My prayer for generous people is that God bless you so much that you never have a lid on your ability to be generous. What if God rips the lid of limitation off? I'll share this with you and I'm done. Some of you have come in the last couple of years. I don't talk about this much, but if you've been with us any length of time at all, you, you are aware of this because I've testified of it many times of the, of the morning. I was up under my desk praying in the Udawa campus 18 years ago, 19 years ago. I'm a young boy at that time, 23 years old, 22 years old. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared to death on one hand. I got 50 people coming to church. Everybody's older than me, which ain't a problem, but it was for me. And all of the church council at that time, they was breathing down my neck and they, I knew I didn't know what I was doing. They knew I didn't know what I was doing, but it didn't matter because I was where I was supposed to be. Some of you know Bishop B.L. Kelly. You've heard me talk about Bishop. He's in heaven. He's been in heaven a number of years now, but he was an old preacher in the denomination we were in, and he had been a leader and an overseer of five or six different states, and he had a voice like God. He would come in my office sometimes on Sunday. Hello. <laughs> it sounded like Yahweh coming through. I thought, oh, and it was Bishop Kelly. And it wouldn't have been for him in those first few years, I probably would have lost my way because they were eating my lunch. I really was getting run over because I was growing in my grace, growing in my ability to lead. And we were in a bad way financially back then. They hired Devin and I. I went to the Bilo to get a second job. And I'd filled my application out. I'd filled a number of applications out because I, I don't believe you're entitled to a full-time salary if you're called into the ministry. If they can do it, the church should, but a preacher's not entitled to that. And I was ready to be vocational to pastor this church. They only had 40, 50 people. Actually, they had 35 people the first Sunday. Actually, they had 40 people the first Sunday, and by the next Sunday, I had successfully reduced it to 34 people. <laughs> and I'd gone to get a job. I didn't know they were even going to pay me. I didn't think they could. I was going to go get multiple jobs, do whatever I do to make ends meet. And I remember being up, on, I'm talking about generosity. Somebody say generosity. I remember being up under my desk asking God for help. I said, I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. And we don't have enough money to pay the bills. And the Lord asked me the craziest question. He said, what will you do when lack is not your problem? I said, what? What will I do when lack is not my problem? I don't know what I'll do then, but I am in a place of lack right now. I'm not going to cash my check. I'm not going to, I'm just going to have to trust you. He said, what will you do when lack is not your problem? 
And I started telling the Lord, well, we'll build an orphanage here. We'll help people in this situation. We'll plant churches in, them, in this nation. And we'll I went down a long list of what I would do when lack is not our problem. We had 30 people, 40 people back then. And I had a long list of what we would do when lack is not our problem. And when I told the Lord all that and I got through that list, I heard the Lord say, go do it. Because lack is not your problem. I said, boy, this don't make no sense to me, Jesus. We, I don't know if they got the money to pay my check this week. And it's okay, I'm going to get another job. But we do have, he said, just go start doing it. And you know what we did? We started doing it. And you know what God did? He took away the excuse of lack. He said, I was just looking to see if you could catch my vision. Because if you catch my vision, I'll always send provision. It wasn't several weeks later. A man who was on drugs, God turned his life around. He owned a very successful business in Dalton, Georgia. He began to pay tithes on all that God had blessed him with. And I'll never forget when the clerk walked in and said, you might want to know that God has sent somebody he comes late, he leaves early, he don't want nothing. He just keeps paying tithes on what God's... And I'm telling you, the biggest givers in that church had got up and left and walked out on me and Devin because they said, quote, you're crazy. I said, why am I crazy? You preaching loud and sweating and hollering, we don't need all that. You need to calm down. I said, oh no, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Because when you come out of hell's kitchen and you know you were saved by grace, you don't let some church boss run you into a place of insanity. You dance and make the devil out to be a liar. Dance and shame the devil. If God ever brought you through the fire and you know it was him that brought you out, you will not let a Jezebel talk you out of your praise. And I watched God begin to bless our church. I'm through, stand with me. I watched God begin to bless our church. And he began to sing, send people to our church with gifts. Gifts of generosity, gift of mercy, gift of leadership, gift of administration, people with healing gifts, people with, with the gifts of tongue, people with the gifts of interpretation, people with the gifts of word of wisdom, word of prophecy, word of knowledge. He began to sing apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers blow your mind how many preachers are sitting in this room today. It'll blow your mind how many preachers are sitting in Athens and Cleveland and are connected to the Ruach Global Network. It would blow your mind. He unites it all. And if we can come together and every joint supply what God gave it to supply, we will be a built up body. Our kids will have amazing child care. Our music will be the greatest music department on this side of heaven. I hate to say it this way, but you know what it'll be? A well-oiled machine. But I don't know if I like that. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't going to be no junky, clanking machine. Well-oiled. it got to have oil, but it needs to have a plan. Well, we just want to float around and experience glory. You better get the glory, because when you come back to earth, you're going to need the government of God for the glory to rest on. 
I want the glory more than anybody in this room wants the glory, but I understand why God sends the glory. It is not so I can feel glory. It is so that I can build the kingdom of God and advance the agenda of the lamb in the earth and leave legacy for your children and my children to have when we are not on this planet. He is not just the God of Abraham. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in order for Jacob to inherit Abraham's promise, you've got to have an Isaac that knows how to sow and reap in the time of famine so that the bridge is built from one generation to the next. So it's glory and government. I want every person in this room, I want to pray two things. First, I want to pray for the church, the believers, those who are saved. I want to pray for God to begin to let lights come on in your heart so that you begin to discern and discover your spiritual gift. And then I want to pray for people who are in this room today who say, Pastor Kevin, I'm lost. If you're a sinner or you're away from God and you're in this room, you are in the right place. This is not a mausoleum for people who've arrived. It's a hospital looking for a healer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Every believer who's saved and knows it, I want you to just, whatever you do when you posture your heart to submit to God and surrender to God and yield to God, that's the, that's the place I'm asking you to get to right now. If you lift your hands, if you get on your knees, whatever you do when you yield to God, I'm asking you to do that right now. And here's what I want to pray while you're yielded to God. Father, begin to reveal spiritual giftedness to your people. What are they gifted to do? Thank you, Holy Spirit. What are they gifted for? We need the church to be strong, built up, and edified. In order for that to happen, every person, every joint, every ligament, every, every the fingers, the toes, the hands, the elbows, the leg bone, the backbone, the head, the ears, the nose, the eyes, the body, every part of this body. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit starting to tie us together, bind us together, uh, yoke us up. Let us become partners, partners with the Lord in advancing the kingdom. Come on, some of you are losing that consumer thing. And the Lord is granting us the ability to connect and to begin to discern and discover the spiritual gift that he gave us. You are gifted. I speak to every, every man and woman of God in this room right now. Every believer in this room right now. You are not just an attender. You have been given a gift. God is about to unlock that thing over your mind. God is about to activate, activate that thing in your life. And you say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know. I want to have a successful career. I feel the Holy Ghost telling me to tell you if you want to be blessed in your career, you better get your charismata in order and you better accept the gift and the engaging of the gift in this house. If you get connected to the right house and operate in the gift God gave you, then everything you put your hand to on the outside of this house, God said, I'll bless it. You say you got Bible for it. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else you need will be added unto you. God said if you'll bless I hear the Holy Ghost right now if you'll bless my house God said I'm going to bless your house if you bless my work I'll bless your work if you bless my people I'll bless your family somebody begin to praise God that God is about to activate some people in this room and if you say yes to the invitation and the opportunity I'm telling you right now some of you need to rip off that mentality that tells you it's all about what happens on the outside. God is going to bless you on the outside of the church when you get your priority right and you put his kingdom and his house first.
I want to say this. I feel this in my pastoral bones and my apostolic grace is coming out right now. God is not going to bless things that disconnect from his body. He is not going to bless operations that disconnect from his body. I am not talking about a building. I am talking about the body of Christ. And some of us need to get our priority in a right order today. And if we'll put the kingdom first, God will put your issue, your situation, your business on the very forefront and he will bless it if you'll put him first. Well, we don't need the church and we don't need a pastor. You have been listening to a lying spirit. And there needs to be a change in how we think and how we address and how we, our mindset needs to shift. Because the gift God gave you is for the building of the body of Christ. This building is not the body, but the people in it are. And we're going to get built up. Father, begin to help them and help me. Help all of us discern and discover the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. And I am asking you right now specifically for an activation of these grace gifts, these charismatas, these gifts given by God upon our entry into the kingdom of God. Let them begin to see and activate their gift. There are teachers in this room that don't even teach yet. You don't teach in the world, but you're going to teach in the kingdom. There are people in this room right now, you have administration gifts. You are not necessarily, you are not necessarily the boss or the head administrator where you are, but you are going to be an administrator in this house and an administrator for the kingdom. There are people in this room with a gift of mercy. People on the outside don't always benefit from it, but people on the inside are about to start drawing from that gift of mercy. And God told me to tell you, if you and I will begin to engage in the gift that God gave us, this house is moving from glory to glory, from one dimension of strength to another dimension of strength. And he said to me in prayer this week that a strong church will win a lost world. I'm telling you, we're not going to be broke, busted, and disgusted. We're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God. We're going to be able to stand and advance in an evil day. Last group of people I want to pray for. Lost people. You're not lost in the sense like a ball in the weeds. You're lost in the sense like you don't have your purpose. You haven't come alive yet in Jesus. Maybe you've got another lover in life. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about you've got an idol. Maybe you're in love with something more than you're in love with Jesus. Maybe you're away a million miles you feel away from God. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need to get right with God. I don't want to waste another day. I don't want to live another day outside of his goodness and love and mercy. I want to come into the kingdom. I want to, I want to be like you talked about earlier. I want to step off that plane of the world. I want to step into a new kingdom. And I want everything he wants for my life to begin to be released and manifested and activated. If I'm talking to you right now and you know you're not right with God, you don't have to wait to Easter to get right with God. God will save you two weeks before Easter so that on Easter you can be working in the parking lot helping people come into the kingdom of God. God will save you on two weeks before Easter so you can be in the choir testifying, talking about the mercy of God on, on Resurrection Sunday. Somebody give God praise in this room right now.
Heads bowed, eyes closed. If I'm talking to you and you need to get right with God, when I say three, shoot your hand up, say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I want to get right with God today. One, two, three, now. Right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. You can all put your hands down. Here's what I want you to do. Look at your neighbor. That's how we do it every Sunday. We're all going to do the work of an evangelist right now. I want you to look at the person on your left and right and ask them one question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have because you need to get right with God when your neighbor asks you if you need someone to go pray with you I want you to walk down here with them. I'm gonna meet you right here Jesus is gonna save your life and turn your life around ask your neighbor all over this house. Thank you for coming buddy Thank you for coming. I need to get right with God. Come on sweetheart. God bless you. Come on ask your neighbor Make sure every person gets asked. I need to get right with God if you need it Come on if you lifted your hand come if you should have come there's room for you today. Come on, buddy Come on, buddy. There's room they're still coming. I wish the church would join angels and praise the Lord. Come on, come on, baby. There's room. There's still room. There's still room. There's still room. Don't go home disconnected. Don't go home separated. Don't go home lost. Don't go home the same way you came. Don't do it. They're still coming. Somebody help me praise God. Come on down here. We don't care what you did. There ain't going to be no judgment in this altar. Mercy is flowing like a river. Grace is flowing like a river. We give you praise, Lord. Come here, young man. Come here, young man. You need prayer. Go, go, go right there. Go. I just didn't see him. Go right there. That's perfect. They're praying everywhere. This is wonderful. While you're standing back there, reach over and lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Come on. We're going to bless one another. We're going to bless one another. We're going to bless one another. Wake up the gift. I got that this morning in prayer on my way to church. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Some of you haven't used your gift in a while. Stir the gift up. It's time to get activated again. I don't know what you think retirement is, but retirement does not exist for the child of God that's got the gift. The gift is without repentance. God said you don't have to hang up the shoes. Get them off the hanger. It's time to get back on the field. Get back on the court. You're not done yet. Stir up the gift. Come on, pray for your neighbor before we go. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Stir it up. Stir it up, God. Help us to stir it up. Let, the, let those with gifts of mercy, gift of benevolence, gift of generosity, gift of administration, gift of leadership, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we ask it in the name of the Lord. Stir it up. We thank your Holy Spirit that what you gave in the beginning, you're still using in this hour. And I pray for people who feel like their best days are behind them. Devil, you're a liar. Today we stir up the gift. God, I pray for an activated church. I pray for a church that is activated. Not consumers, but investors. Those who will do the work. Those who will do works of service using the gifts you gave us in the unction of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. I want to pray this prayer with us. I want to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to be done. I really am. I'm done with this. Here's what I want you to pray. Father, come on, pray with me. Father, you saved me by your grace. And in that grace, you gave me a metron with which I will serve the kingdom. This gift is not for the world. This gift is my investment 
into a strong church family and we will be activated as the body for the body so that this body will be built up strong and everything you've called us to be locally say locally globally we are the body and we will do what you have called us to do in Jesus name now somebody lose your dignity and praise God like he's about to work through you in this house somebody give him glory we're all gonna get stronger we're all gonna get more blessed we're all gonna see more happen somebody praise him like the best is still yet to come We're going home, but shake hands with three people and tell a neighbor. Tell them like you love them, say neighbor. Say God's about to work through your life. God's about to use your life. Come on. God's about to take you to another level. God's about to get the glory for it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you. Go in the peace of the Lord. We'll see you this Wednesday night. Be blessed as you go, but go in the power of the Spirit. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, Dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless, I look forward to seeing you next week right here.